Our next reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and the visit of the wise men. This is God's word. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled for all Jerusalem and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will, be, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is God's word for God's people. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have seen fit for the good of your church and for the encouragement of your people to cause your word to be written down and preserved. Lord, we thank you for it. And ask that as we consider this great joy tonight, you would give us a taste of it as well. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. Uh, During his State of the Union speech uh, in January of 2016, uh, President Obama charged then Vice President uh, uh, Joe Biden to take on a new initiative to cure Uh, cancer. It was called Operation uh, Cancer Moonshot, and it resulted in the investment of roughly $1 billion into cancer research. As we sit here tonight, many of us, probably all of us, have been affected in some way by cancer. Many of you perhaps have lost loved ones to it or have suffered uh, with it yourselves. We might call it one of the great enemies of humanity. Can you imagine a world without cancer? Can you imagine how much sadness and suffering would be averted if researchers and doctors could determine how to eliminate cancer? Wouldn't we respond with great rejoicing? Of course we would. And yet, as we imagine a world without cancer, 
We are also keenly aware that numerous other causes of sadness and suffering would still exist. Even without cancer, this world would still be full of immense tragedy. Even without cancer, you and I would still be lost in an endless search for true joy. Tonight, we are gathered to remember that God has provided to mankind a source of joy that pulls us above circumstances that might even include cancer. God has given us a source of joy that the writers of Scripture could only describe as exceedingly abundant, great joy. But as we are gathered here tonight, many of us are struggling with this very thing. Uh, many of us might say, well, I don't have any joy. In fact, I'm here tonight just because it seemed like the right thing to do. I don't have anything else to do. Maybe it was an excuse to get out and away from your relatives for a little bit. But tonight, I hope that you will remember that as we reflect on the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we reflect on the cause of rejoicing for all mankind. And the first thing that we have to think about, the first question that we need to ask ourselves is, why, in light of this mysterious and miraculous thing that we call the incarnation, why does it mean for me that I can have joy? Why does it mean that you can have joy in the light of the fact that the eternal Son of God, the one who existed before all time, would take a body to himself like me, yet without sin, and be born to a poor little virgin girl in a small town in Bethlehem? Why does that give me any joy? Well, let's think just for a second about why joy is hard in the first place. Why do we even ask that question? Why do we ask where joy comes from? Why is joy hard? Well, joy is hard because Adam's fall brought misery upon all mankind. As we read in Genesis chapter 3, we reflected in verse 7, there was a change in Adam himself. The moment that he took and ate of the fruit, his, his perspective on, on God, his creator, changed. No longer was he in a love-relate relationship with his covenant-making God. Now he was ashamed. There was a change in Adam himself. There was a change in his relation. To God, And not only that, but we read in, in verses 16 to 19 how God pronounced curses upon Adam and his wife Eve. There was a change in human relations. Now Eve would desire her husband in, in a different way and he would rule over, there, there, over her. There was introduced this conflict. And not only that, but one of the most joyous things in humanity bringing forth of new life now is a painful thing. In pain you will bring forth children. 
And now, in what should bring Adam most joy, cultivating the earth that the Lord has made, cultivating it and bringing forth more joy and more glory to his creator, now he would work in that earth and it would bring forth thorns and thistles and kudzu. And not only that, but Adam died. His heart died. And the principle of death was introduced into his body so that he lived in a virtual living death. And this curse we are shown in Genesis 4 to 6 flowed to all humanity. Read those chapters and what do you find but a world that is full of murder and death and hatred. My friends, joy is hard because we live under God's curse. He is angry with us. But when we find these wise men and shepherds and a man named Zechariah and a young girl named Mary, we, we, we find a people who in the midst of this curse, who, who are living in the same world that you live in today, who live in this world that is full of murder and hatred and death, possibly not COVID, they live in that world and they find a reason to sing God's praises. The the Gospels depict a people with profound joy. In Luke chapter 2, Zechariah sang at the birth of his son. Mary sang after the angel Gabriel visited her and told her that she would have a son. The angels sang, and when the shepherds went away from Christ, they went away singing and proclaiming his great glories. It was a lot of singing. And it causes us to stop for just a minute and ask how that sort of joy can be ours. As we read in these passages of Scripture, we reflect on Zechariah's song. Zechariah sang and said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Mary sang in Luke chapter 1 verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And when the angels sang again in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, they sang Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, in the incarnation of Christ, these words keep coming up, don't they? We, we find in Mary's song the word salvation. In the song of Zechariah, we find the word redemption. And in the song of those angels, we find the blessed word peace. This is why we rejoice in the birth of this child. Because at the birth of this child, they recognized that it meant the fulfillment of very great promises to them. That they were saved. That God was redeeming a people to himself. Purchasing us away from his wrath and curse. And giving peace. 
But we have to ask another question. Not only do we think about why it's possible to have joy, but another thing that you have to ask and answer is how this joy can be yours. How can this joy be yours? I was talking to my mother recently and she was telling me about an occasion when someone had sinned against her. And she went to this particular person and she told them of how she had been offended. And the person said, well, what about forgiveness? Don't you just forgive me? And so my mother responded and she said, well, you didn't ask for forgiveness. And it occurred to me that there are probably a lot of people in the world who think that because Christ died, they are just forgiven. That all of humanity has somehow simply received a blank slate. Uh, perhaps there are some of you who are seated here tonight and you think, well, Christ died. Everything's all good. I'm fine. I'm forgiven. But the question comes back to you, though. Have you, have you asked for forgiveness? Have you acknowledged your sin before Him? You see, this is when we start to ask this question, how can I have joy? The answer comes back, come to Christ. Yes, he gives you a free offer. Let me read to you from Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And he goes on to say these words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or we might say peace. That peace that was pronounced by the angels. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We read again in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 a similar invitation. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. You see, here, here's the whole uh, uh, relationship. Here is how all of this interacts. There is, there is joy held out to you. But you must take it. There is an invitation sent into all the world, but you must respond to it. It's for this reason that Peter could stand before a watching crowd and said, repent and turn to Him. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. How can this joy be yours? How do you take it to yourself? Will you respond in faith and repentance? Some of you perhaps have never taken a moment to bow on your knees and confess your sins to the Lord. It's occasionally true in my home that one person will sin against another. It rarely, rarely happens. Usually on full moons. And often the way that it happens is this way. Someone will sin very brazenly. Uh, perhaps hitting another child with a lead pipe or something along those lines. And then when asked to go and confess that sin, 
It's something along these lines. I'm, I'm sorry for whatever I did. Will you please forgive me? And we usually have the principle that your repentance ought to be at least as bold as your sin. Another way we might put that is when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Christ, the one who has promised to be a Savior and a Redeemer and a peacemaker, you come to Him boldly confessing your sin. Listen to me. Boldly confessing that sin even as an act of worship knowing that He receives you as perfectly righteous in His Son and makes you His own dear child. So let's talk just lastly here about one last thing. We've, we've talked about why we can have joy through Christ who was born to die. We talked about how we apply that joy to ourselves by accepting His invitation, expressing faith and repentance. Now, what about now? What about re- expressing that joy? Well, one of the things that we find as we go back to the announcement of Christ's birth is that every single person who received this message responded in the same way. They sung. In the church, we talk a lot about evangelism. We talk a lot about sharing the gospel. There's an article today in the paper about uh, being like the shepherds and, and proclaiming the gospel and sharing the good news with other people. But do you know that the gospel and evangelism are not the end goal? The end goal is worship. That God redeemed a people to Himself that they might become worshipers. In other words, here is the whole scope of the picture. What God is doing in redeeming you to Himself is undoing what happened in Adam so that you might come before Him no longer in shame over your nakedness, but that you might come before Him boldly to His throne, worshiping Him as your Creator and the One who loves you with an everlasting love. Worship is the way that you express that joy. Gathering with the body of Christ wherever they gather and lifting your voice in song, in prayer, and in confession together is what Christ has redeemed you to do. Christ did not take to Himself a true body and a reasonable soul. He did not do that in a low condition born to a a family of poverty. He didn't do that undergoing all the wrath of God and the curse of death on the cross uh, to die a real death, to be buried, to remain under the power of death for a time. He didn't do all of that so that we could find a cure for cancer or to eliminate the infant mortality rate or to lift you out of poverty. He didn't do it for all of those things. He did that to restore you to the living God and to give you a hope that in the life to come, you would have everlasting, undefiled joy in a body and soul that can no longer sin against Him. This is why we celebrate the Incarnation. And I pray that for all of you who are here who may never 
have confessed your sins to the Lord, have come to Him to know Him in a saving way, will do that tonight. I pray that you will find true and everlasting joy. Not, not the elimination of the struggles of your worldly circumstances because God uses those to show us our need for Him. But that He will teach you true love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless you for you are holy and good and sovereign. We thank you that for that beautiful picture in Hosea that you are like that daddy who reaches down and takes his sons by the hands and walks behind him, showing him how to walk. That you draw us, Father, with cords of love. Cords that bring us to the cross of your blessed Son so that through Him who endured that cross for joy, we might have His joy. We praise You in His name. Amen.